Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Bull in the post-truth apocalypse. I'm Ben, and as always, I'm hanging out with Mike, Hello. Claire, hey. and Pete. Bonjour! Pete's French now, apparently. Peter. We oui, oh, He's wearing a berry and a white stripy jumper. White and black stripy jumper. Anyway. Carry this... a bag of onions. Get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, you get that bag of onions out the room, Peter. <laughs> what, do you do not want to buy my onions? <laughs> no. With my cheese and no, the French stick? No, we've gone too racialist. That's it. Some French, but we are a French listener once. <laughs> once. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about war hero animals, animal war heroes. Go light and fluffy for once. Aww. Ish. Ish. It's still gruesome and horrifying the environments these animals served in, and I'm sure they all ended with massive PTSD. But. Forced to do it against their will. Forced to do it against their will. It's what, some. Light and fluffy, you say. It's kind of a, a, a feel good story in a sense, though, isn't it? I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, Claire brought it to our attention. Yeah. Wait, we'll, we'll save that. Oh, we'll just save this. We'll go through some new and returning <laughs> listeners first, and then we'll, we'll crack on. Florence in Oregon, Kingston, Canada, Woking in the good old UK, Phoenix, Arizona, Port of Spain in Trinidad and Tobago, Telford in Yay. our hometown, London in the UK, Asheville, North Carolina, Krasnodar in the Russian Federation. What? Yeah. We're not banned in Russia for some reason. <laughs> Probably because of Mike praising communism all the time. <laughs> Lexington in Kentucky, Gateshead in the UK, Cebu City in the Philippines, Salem in Oregon, New York City, New York, Stevenage, United Kingdom, Bengaluru in India, Belfast in the UK, Guadalajara, Spain, Ashburn, Virginia, and Niles, Michigan. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Tell a friend, please, if you want. Follow us on Facebook at Cutting the Bull in the Post Truth Apocalypse. Help us grow. You can subscribe to us and like us on YouTube at Apocalypse Bull. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud and most other podcasting platforms at Cutting to the Bull in the PTA. So, animal war heroes. Claire, how did you get the. Well, how did you ins- make me think, I know, let's do an episode on this? I was just scrolling past something and then I saw this trenchy Frenchy. You're a big French bulldog lover, aren't you? Yeah. You've got three. Yeah, anything Frenchy just comes up on my phone. And yeah, this little Trenchy Frenchy named Mutt used to take the cigarettes to the. You know, soldiers in World War One. Yeah. So all the soldiers sat there with the fucking mud and the rain, and there's artillery going off, and there's this little French bulldog carrying up packs of cigarettes. Bless him. Yeah, I should imagine he, he also, you know, did some of the rats as well, because they're they're ratters, aren't they? Are they ratters? Mm. I was a little too lazy. No, no. <laughs> no, you put a rat in front of one of them, mate. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> Fair enough. My dog stares at our hamster and sort of dribbles a little bit. <laughs> Some genetic memory kicking in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a common misconception that it isn't cats that, that are bred for killing rats. They're too big. Yeah. An yeah. adult rat. Baby rat, yeah. Jack Russells rat, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, Jack Russells were the key for that. Yeah, they were. Jack yeah. Russells, Frenchies. All those little dogs with big attitudes, basically. Yeah. Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas. They'd have been. They'd have made mincemeat out of mice. Maybe not rats, because <laughs> I've seen rats that are bigger than chihuahuas, and rats are fucking nasty. Yeah, rats will go straight for the throat. That's their natural first instant attack is straight for the throat on whatever uh, it's attacking. Well, let's go from a dog to a horse. <laughs> Nay, <laughs> 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 
This is a democracy, Pete. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Warrior the horse. Captain Jackson, he rode his horse, Warrior. And if you're going to have a horse, at least you're going to war with it. Call it something badass, like Warrior. Yeah. yeah. Don't call it Florence. I was going to say oh, Daisy would be a good name, wouldn't it? Daisy. No, I want to be ripping people's faces off and kicking them in the face with its hooves. So you train war horses to do. Is it? Yeah. The horse is always in motion, otherwise you're a sitting target. You train it, and it will bite and take your face off with its bite, Never. or it will kick, rear, or it will rear up, give you a kick, or even kick at the back. I thought they they were just sort of trained to, you know, run, r- run through the through the war and not. You know, eventually, think about anything. You might get bogged down by infantry, so the horse has to keep moving, so it can't be hamstrung either. Because once the horse goes, you're just a lump of metal on the top, or in this case, a bloke with his leg trapped under the saddle. Yeah. Although the British cavalry at this point are still carrying swords, and in fact, the 1917 pattern cavalry sword was actually the pinnacle of sword design, apparently. Even though they're a sword service for a year. All oh, right. And did away with them after that. Well, if it was a pinnacle, why? Everyone stopped using cavalry with swords, tanks were in. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> so together they saw the war's fiercest combat. Warrior led the Canadian Cavalry Brigade in the, world's, in the war's final major charge at Maru Wood in 1918. A quarter of the regiment and half the horses were casualties and somehow Warrior walked away without a scratch. They called him the horse the Germans couldn't kill. He had been in service for four years, in all fairness. Fair play. This is Without a scratch as well. Yeah. This isn't War Horse, is it, the film? You know what? Never seen the movie. Haven't um, yeah. No. It's good. It maybe maybe it could have been based on... Does the yeah. horse die at the end? No. Nope. Spoiler alert, then no. It, it, could, it could well be. Mm. I'm yes. sure it retires in Ireland or something. Uh, film. Well, a century after yeah, it is a good World film. War it's a bit Sorry. sad-like, but... Mm. It's something I'd always thought about watching, but yeah, I like seeing animals get hurt. It's mm. one of the reasons I didn't watch it because not some things are difficult to watch. Obviously, yeah. but yeah, I don't give a shit about watching people get blown to bits. Mm. The animals, though, I draw the line. Fluffy, fluffy little bunny or something? No, can't do that. I'm not so pushed with the bunny actually. <laughs> Second, you got dog or better in there. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, a century after World War One, Warrior was posthum- posthumously given an honorary Dickin Medal, representing every hour. Oh, has he suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> Give him a Dickin. The Dickin Medal recognises acts of devotion and bravery by animals during periods of conflict or war. So even the animals can get a little medal. Except it was a hundred years later. Well, yeah, it was. Didn't get to enjoy it. But he didn't have it then. Turpits. The pig. Oh, the pig. On He's the, not so much of a hero. Wasn't he on the boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had the honour of being marked as the mascot of the SMS Dresden, so that's the World War One German Navy. Uh-huh. It's World War One, and the mascot gets left behind, gets left aboard the sinking German cruiser. She should have been a casualty of war, but miraculously escaped. They're very good swimmers, pigs. Are they? Mm. Yeah, this is a way naturally the buoyant, don't they? It's probably the buoyancy, yeah. isn't it? I want to get to that island with the swimming mm. pigs. Their tail axe is a propeller as well. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Mike Science Officer, you have to take yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> they do have a corkscrew propeller, don't they? There is a, there is such a thing as a corkscrew propeller, so yeah. that could work. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately for Turpitz, the crew of a nearby ship, the HMS Glasgow, sees the floundering pig, and a sailor dives in and rescues her. She gets awarded a fake Iron Cross, a great German military honour, and she's applauded for remaining behind when the rest of the crew abandon the ship. 
Shouldn't really Bastards. have much choice, I guess. <laughs> Tirpitz stays with the Glasgow for the remainder of her military career. In 1916, she retires to Portsmouth Whale Island Gunnery School. And 1919, the war heroes auctioned off, raising $2,366.67, according counting for inflation for the British Red Cross. Her remains became food while her heads mounted. To this day, that head remains on display at the Imperial War Museum. For some reason, that's recognising Turpins as one of the most famous war animals. I'd say that's quite horrific. Mm. We, we sold it for bacon and cut its head off. Cut her head off. And then kept it in the war museum. Light and fluffy, Ben. Light and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> so what? We, our war museum? Yeah. So we basically captured the German pig. Mm-hmm. And went, ah, German pig! No, we, we, gave, we gave it a little medal. We gave her a medal. Because she, she stayed aboard the ship. When and then killed abandoned it, it. And made it into bacon. A few years later, when she'd retired. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they let, it, they let her live Yeah, she spent then. the rest of the war on the Glasgow. And then she went to a gunnery school. And then, you know, she, she had... All right, she had, she had like a year after the war. She was auctioned off in 1919. But we don't know how old she was, do we? Four. <laughs> we know how tasty she was. <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've, ever had, if I've ever had German bacon. I've only had bacon in Germany. I don't know if that counts. Probably. Do they do bacon? I don't know. I don't know, to be fair. Anyone in Germany listening, ask us, of course you do bacon. What are you on about? Of course they do bacon. It's a land of meat. They're known for meat. Of course they do bacon. They're more into their sausages. Some of the Danish with bacon. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure they they swap and change, don't they? You know, and... On a weekly basis. Well, do we all rotate bacon? This week we are eating sausages. Do we all rotate... Next week it is bacon. No, I'm sure the Germans and the Danish, like, you know, I have a bit of sausage and we'll have a bit of bacon and then we've got a full English. Everyone does a full English. You can swap some sausages and we'll give you some bacon. Is that Danish? I think so. <laughs> More Norwegian, but I guess it's similar. Oh, sorry, I wasn't looking, I obviously I wasn't paying attention to the affect of the dialect you were using, was I? I was going for just a generalised Scandinavian. <laughs> Well, I don't know if Pete's racist accents. <laughs> Same time there. next week. Probably is nowadays, to be fair. I, know. I, don't, know. I, I don't mean it racist in any way, shape, or form. I know, form. it's comedic effect. At least they're white people, you're mocking, but get away with it. <laughs> yeah. If that Velma's anything to go by, the only show with a 1.6 on IMDb. Anyway, let's move on to Judy. English pointer and a purebred, she was a Royal Navy adoption on the HMS Grasshopper, which she was aboard when it got torpedoed during World War II. The crew, along with their mascot, found themselves captured and obviously went to a Japanese prisoner of war camp. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Light and fluffy, Mike. Yeah. Obviously, the Japanese are absolute bastards in, in this they didn't period of history. They the dog, didn't they? Right, probably fucking no. ate it. I was thinking they're going to eat it. Judy's fucking awesome. During the ordeal, Frank Williams, an aircraftman, cared for Judy. Throughout their imprisonment, he shared his rations with her, and he pretty much saved her life by somehow getting her registered as an official prisoner of war. <laughs> I uh, suppose she was a serving... If she was a serving soldier, she would have had documents. A serving animal, you know what I mean? There would have been uh, documents sure that been, went with no, her. Maybe they, maybe they just blagged her and went, yeah, of course she has. Potentially. There was some on board that she went down with the ship, though. Yeah, but potentially... She would have documents of some form to say she was a serving animal, you'd have thought. 
Well, she would growl and bark to the scratch guards beating on other POWs, and she also snuck off and brought food back to them. Yeah. Was it normal to have dogs aboard ships at this point? Yeah, you'd have mascots. I mean, most ships had a cat. Keeps the rat population down. Because mm. no matter on a ship, you always get rats, don't you? It's also good for morale. I want the dog keep the cat population down, is it? Yeah, they also carry a wolf to get the dog population down. And a bear to get the wolf. And a tiger to get the bear. Yeah. And then a, a, a lion. No, then, and then you get a deadly rattlesnake in to bite. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get. And then we get a, an eagle. No, no, no. no. Yeah, they'll take out a snake. A, a meerkat. <laughs> well, there's an eagle. A prairie on dog. So I thought we'd, you know, we'd I was throw an eagle in there. But she, was in that, she used to bark and, and, and growl to distract the, the guards beating on him. Probably taking a beating herself. She bought, snuck off and bought food back to him and she was freed in 1945. Yeah. She received the Dickin Medal for Magnificent Courage and Endurance in Japanese prison camps, which helped to maintain morale among her fellow prisoners and also for saving many lives through her intelligence and watchfulness. She was that beautiful like black and white pointer, wasn't she? Black and, or brown and white, it's hard to tell. Yeah. It's black and white pictures, but I mean, black and white is a gorgeous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the American Civil War. We got an eagle called Old Abe. Was it a bald eagle? I, th- I hope so. It looks like it. Yeah. It was the C Company, the Eighth Regiment of Wisconsin Volunteers, and they named it after Abraham Lincoln. What year are we talking? It's American Civil War, eighteen sixty-one to eighteen sixty-five, four or five, something like that. It's before the eagles used on the on their like emblem crest thing that they use. Well, the eagle is the seal of the president, so I wouldn't like to say, to be honest. Just wondering whether this is how... Probably the national bird, though, I'd imagine. Yeah, I wonder whether that's before or after this. Couldn't tell you. Honestly, couldn't tell you. He participated in marches, recruitment events, and perched atop shields during parades. And he was also a fundraiser. Thousands of pictures are taken of Abe and sold to raise money for soldier relief. And during the Civil War, old Abe saw battle, flying, fighting, and screeching at the enemy. The enemy failed to stop the Yankee buzzard and he retired in 1864 and got presented to Wisconsin. They put him on occasion and put him on display in the state capitol. <laughs> then in 1881, the state capitol caught fire and Abe died from oh. smoke inhalation. He was then stuffed and he went back to the public showing, but another fire destroyed him. So they created him a replica and set up a memorial. Oh. That's going to sound ending, isn't it? Hmm. So Sorry, far... So far, this light and fluffy... <laughs> light and fluffy Pete ...has been pretty sad, other than the horse. So far, the horse is the only one that's lived. Oh, and the pointer as well, but... Yeah, the pointer. I don't, the, she had a great life, apart from the Japanese prison camps. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> the only one that actually kind of had it almost sweet, I suppose, would be the horse, so far. Yeah, four years of PTSD, horse PTSD to bring back with him, though. No, he might have been just a rock-hard horse. <laughs> it's true, actually, isn't it? I, I'm guessing... He's called Warrior, I mean, come on, yeah. Say, the fact his yeah. name's Warrior, the fact he, he, he was, like, unscathed in four years of battles... Yeah. That thing was lusting for blood. <laughs> Ripping <laughs> people's <laughs> faces <laughs> With his lips. As I say, he would have... He was like that. He was more of a, a a nightmare. That's what they call them, isn't it? The nightmares, the dark horses. Yeah, they, I had they one on Assassin's nightmares. Creed Odyssey. It was always on fire. Mm. Yeah, I had one on Skyrim. 
Yeah, you get one on Skyrim as well, if I remember rightly. But yeah, maybe he was a nightmare well, as opposed to maybe. a horse. Well, well, it bears Wojciech. The wrestling fucking bear. Oh, Wojciech's awesome. He was the mascot of the Polish Second Corps 22 Transport Artillery Supply Company. He was a Syrian brown bear adopted by the troops as a cub during a pass-through of Iran. And he went on to become known as the Soldier Bear. During his service, the bear grew six feet and 250 pounds, and but was always a gentle giant and extremely comfortable around people. And the sight of him wrestling with servicemen was common. <laughs> wrestling bears in your fucking spare time. <laughs> I don't want these bastards. <laughs> the Polish because they're fucking hard. <laughs> Fuck. They give him a gun and got him to stand up and be like. Probably, yeah, I'd imagine so. Because things carried clear, artillery. He carried artillery shells. Yeah. And a tin hat and everything. Always. <laughs> he was given the rank of private and he supplied frontline troops with shells and ammunition. The image of the bear with military rank carrying artillery will become part of the company's insignia and it still is. <laughs> to this day, that regiment exists and they have, well, the, I'd imagine that's probably the, it's certainly probably the, the badge for the artillery in Poland. I know they use it on their military in their military. He's a bit of a folk hero in Poland, Wojciech. There's kids' comics about him and everything. Mm. Yeah. After the war, the unit took Wojciech to Scotland, and while there, in the Edinburgh Zoo, gave him the bear a home until he died in 1963. So he had a pretty good life going. Yeah. And imagine how fucking scary that would have been. Well, that could do, isn't it? I mean, he's in a war, then he's in a zoo. He's caged for the rest of his life. Mm. He gets to be around people, which he likes. He's, he's being fed, he hasn't got, you can't go put him out of the wild, can you? So they came to him up at night. Probably would have to. Yeah, they have an enclosure for bears, <laughs> didn't you? Well, you know, because uh, Mike, he, he could have, like, turned and gone at Turned any... nasty. <laughs> no, turned and gone at any point. If, Which if... is true, because you could have massive PTSD. Unless you're going to see a bear, psych- a bear psychiatrist. So would, would you cage them up at night, or would you just like let them sort of be sort of free? You'd be in a cage, I imagine. What if fireworks start going a... off and he starts fucking thinking it's wartime again? Would that be a care bear, would it? Uh... A bear psychiatrist. A care bear. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> He's after that pudding crown. He is. That's shit, mate. <laughs> fucking taking it! <laughs> you can't take the crown. Claire's got the crown at the minute. No, Mike's got the crown. No, no you won it back the other week. Did I? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Pink week I hit, it's a TR. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. Rip was a stray dog adopted by popular air raid precautions during World War Two, And during the Blitz, and the Germans bombed our cities for eight months, and we couldn't really do a lot to stop them at night. Apart from grit our teeth and just be hard and go, come on, you fuckers, you yeah. might take our buildings, but you will not take our freedom! Doing a lot of looting. Oh, different and, film. And a lot of looting. A lot of looting going on. A lot of black market stuff going on. Blackout Ripper, the serial killer of World War Two in London. I mean, yes, all right, people did really look out for one another in that time. The majority of people, but there's was always the twats. chances, wasn't there? There's always twats. Yeah. A lot of crime during the Blitz. A lot of crime. Remember, <laughs> remember as soon as that house is bombed, you, you just fucking go in there and nick what you want. Yeah. Or that jewellers that's been bombed. Well, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I always thought on bed knobs and broomsticks, they just walked into somebody's house, didn't they? And it was sort of really fancy one in London. 
Oh, bloody hell, Claire. I haven't seen that since I was a kid, I don't think. <laughs> no. No. Well, I was just like thinking, well, you know, wouldn't they have like robbed them all? If, if people have like, gone to the country or, you know, the men usually, have gone to Usually war. you've got staff, if you're that wealthy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it was just the kids that went. I suppose as well, as soon as those air raids go off, the sirens, everyone runs down to the shelters, all their houses are empty. So you'd have a lot of chances That's to it, if you're just rob the houses. And if that house gets bombed, you can find something nice amongst the rubble. You're taking it, haven't you? Well, even if it's not been bombed, bombed there are yeah. houses that can go in and rob them. Yeah. 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 You're running the risk of the bomb landing on your, like, that house you're robbing, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Like I say, there's always twats. Yeah. They had to rip. Little mixed breed terrier. He helped save over 100 bomb survivors. Hmm. Survivor the bombing himself, his rescuer... An air raid warden described the wiry-haired pooch as a complete mutt. He got a prestigious Dickin Medal for Gallantry, and the medal remained on Rip's collar for the remainder of his life, and after his passing, it sold at auction for $37,700 60 yeah. years later. Whoa. Another hmm. search and rescue dog. Jet was a German Shepherd. Oh, I'm surprised. That, how can you trust a German Shepherd during World War II? <laughs> I don't think the, the, the I don't think the dog knows it's got German in its name. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean Max fought the other side at this point. It's German really. heritage as well. well yeah, I guess they're bred there. Aren't it's they? definitely got German, especially if it's an Alsatian. Mm. Yeah, Max is a Rottweiler. They're bred in Rottweiler in Germany, or they were at this point. But they don't know this, do they? That, no, that's my point. Mean... I'm a dog. I don't know. I always think he. I always think he looks at the German game more when it's playing. If I'm watching the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Deep rooted in his blood. Very interesting to last World Cup for Germany. Does he sit up in his ears point when he when he hears the German national anthem? He just raises a paw. He's doing like a funny salute. Does he raises a paw? She was the search and rescue dog of Corporal Wardle, who then they managed to save 150 people during the Nazi air raid bombings. Once the dog located a woman in the debris of a destroyed London hotel and stayed with her for 12 hours while rescue went to work. That must have been nice having the dog to stroke where you trapped in the rubble. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, it was a German shepherd. You'd be fucking freaked out. Oh, they've come, they've, they've landed, they're coming to get me. they sent their dogs on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to write some like funny little note on its collar just to... No, it'd just like, lick in your face and put a savage in your face, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd know in a second, really, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you might have that initial fear, Pete. You might mm. think, oh, my God, the paratroopers have landed with their attack dogs. <laughs> but then the second she starts, he starts licking your face, you go, oh, maybe not, then. <laughs> when he's, when you when might he let out a little bit of wee. It's when he cocks his leg on your face. That's uh, that's that's the only bad bit. It's like, oh, God damn it! Oh, he got the Dickinson Medal in 1945. Well. Mm. Cool, but hardly any Dickin medals are handed out these days, isn't it? We have got a more recent one. Have we? Yeah. Uh, Gustav, go World War Two. He's a messenger pigeon. We've gone to pigeons. Mm-hmm. Said there'd be a pigeon, isn't it? Speckled Jim! Yeah. <laughs> Speckled Jim, the fastest... His favourite... General Melchett's beloved childhood pet. His beloved... Jim and Carrier Pigeon, who Captain Blackadder then shot and ate. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Well, we know he did. (laughs) Uh, The 
classic Blackadder goes forth. People that aren't from the UK have never heard or seen Blackadder. I'd imagine it's on the iPlayer. If you can find it, find it. It is hilarious. And don't give up after season one. No, no. If if you start Carry on, it gets better. If you start getting bored of season one, just just skip past it. Go straight to season two if you need to. Yeah, that's what I say. Straight to season two, and yeah. you'll go back to season. one. Yeah, you'll yeah. go back to season one maybe and appreciate it more. Either way, the guest star in June 1944 brought back the first news of the Normandy D-Day invasion. He covered over 150 miles of flight in a little over five hours. That's impressive, brilliant, isn't it? The trip was from France's northern coast to his loft outside of Portsmouth, and the message he delivered is a piece of history. Quote, We are just 20 miles or so off the beaches. First You're quoting the pigeon here, yeah. <laughs> eh? You're quoting the pigeon. I'm quoting the message the pigeon gave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, do you know the British Army had trained pigeon linguists who could communicate with the pigeons, Mike? Pigeon whisperers. Yeah, did you know that? <laughs> it's a little bit like Morse code, like... And then he just shits on the thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the message that Gustav delivered read, We are just 20 miles or so off the beaches. First assault troops landed at 0750. Signal says, No interference from any gunfire on beach. Steaming steadily in formation. Lightnings, typhoons, fortresses crossing since 045. No enemy aircraft seen. Sorry, 0545. No enemy seen. He's got fucking brilliant English. And he, he <laughs> writes really well. That is one clever fucking pigeon. And this was a typical... This would have been typical at the time. Because we didn't actually get much resistance from the Germans. The Brits didn't. No. The Americans did. Yeah. At Omaha. Well, well, we, we, went to, we went to the right And point to Hock. Yeah. We yeah, but they had to be taken. That was the thing. You've got to... And it was the Americans had the most men and material, and the yeah, Brits yeah, were like. But well, they were deceived, the Germans. We had this dead body, didn't we, with the, the his map, his maps. Yeah, it? we threw him overboard. Yeah, with fake landings. Fake landing plans all yeah. pointing to Calais region because that made more sense. Calais only twenty mm. miles. Yeah, twenty miles or so. Is it twenty-two miles? Mm. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah, like that. Twenty-two over to Calais. Yeah. So Hitler's like, well, <laughs> they're obviously going to come at Calais. It's yeah. the shortest sea lane. And we went, now nah, we're going to go the longest sea lane in the worst weather. And we did surprise them. In we most did, places. In most Point to Hock was a bit of a bloodbath, yeah. and so was Omaha, obviously. It's like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. That's Omaha Beach. That was the Yanks, That was the worst. Yeah. And there were very few like that. Most of it. I think gold and, gold and Juno. I couldn't remember what it was. Gold something. We had gold and, gold and Juno mm. along with us and the Canadians. And we like on one of those beaches, we lost like less than two hundred guys dead. It was just we just came ashore. That was pretty much unopposed. Or two hundred casualties. It was it was that's pretty light. Remember, you got warships pounding these fucking beaches as well. Yeah, they were just yeah. Omaha was just particularly fucking unlucky, really, in the sense. I think it didn't help. The it way was the they strong, did it. strongest. <clears throat> it was the strongest point on the Normandy Atlantic Wall, basically. Mm-hmm. And you had Point de Hock overlooking it, it was a crossfire situation, and it could have been worse. Turns out those guns were never installed, just the bunkers. And you know what was the best German defences, the best fortification? What? The Channel Islands. Yeah, they never used them. We were watching that, too. me and Mike have been watching Nazi megastructures. Yeah. And they built up the Channel Islands. Yeah, it's an incredible they? fortress, yeah. so many miles, 100, 200 miles of tunnel in it. 
loads of anti-aircraft guns. There was like twenty thousand guys stationed there for most of the war. Yeah, and all that. To do. And then we just were like, "Well, we're, we're attacking that. We're not doing that. We're not attacking that." We, we just, just we, we did D-Day circumvented it <laughs> and never bothered with them and after the war they surrendered imagine getting stationed there instead of being on the Russian front <laughs> well it was a Nazi island paradise <laughs> so they wanted to market it as after the war they wanted to market it as a Nazi island paradise they are going to build it up as a tourist island never <laughs> oh shit <laughs> they had some grand Schemes, didn't they? He certainly did. Good job they never came to fruition, really. Yeah. That's because of us. And the, and the Yanks, they played their part too. Let's go to the Americans and on the other side of the Pacific. And the Canadians and the Indians and... And everyone else, everyone yeah. Else. The Empire. The Empire. The Colonials. Yeah. Let's not forget them. The Aussies had heavy casualties, yeah. didn't they? They did. Really heavy casualties. Let's go to the Pacific Front and talk about a goat. Oh, uh, sorry, not a ghost. What the fuck am I on about? Let's go to the Pacific Front to talk about a duck. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah. The US military invades the island of Tarawa in an attempt to seize the Japanese heavily fortified Beto Island in the Gilbert Islands. Thousands of US military marines go into the fray and thousands of Japanese soldiers, both sides, resting for control of the two-mile speck of Ireland. And it was a bit of a bloodbath, to be fair. And there, in the middle of the brutal clash on the beach, a duck makes its way from the ship to shore and jumps on a Japanese rooster. Seawash, <laughs> <laughs> the duck, was a member of the 1st Battalion, 10th Marines, and she got some serious multiple pecks to the head on Normandy Beach, <laughs> but managed to defeat her adversary on the, uh, sorry, on the Tarawa Beach, that article's wrong. Seawash the Duck was a member of the 1st Battalion 10th Marines. She did get some pecks in the head as a result of the fight, but she managed to feed her adversary. She would refuse medical attention, apparently, <laughs> until the remainder of her US military gun section had taken care of first, and she would also see action at Tinian and Saipan. Fair play. Life magazine immortalised the duck in 1943, quoting them, With utter disregard for his own personal safety, Seawash, upon reaching the beach, without hesitation, engaged the enemy in fierce combat, namely one rooster of Japanese ancestry, and though wounded on the head by repeated pecks, he soon routed the opposition. <laughs> I think that's quality. He's like that. Right, I'm a bird. I'm off with these guys. Right, we're attacking these guys. There's another bird on the beach. He's my target. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving him. <laughs> I can go against him. Not those big buggers with two legs. He went into no. action on other beaches, though, where there's machine guns going off, mortars, but this duck's just waddling up the beach with its mates. Pecking <laughs> people's ankles. Yeah. I bet there's more than once this duck got under the feet of some guy with a bayonet and, like, the marine managing to get the drop on him instead. <laughs> This yeah. duck could have broke up bonsai charges for all we know. <laughs> He's lucky he wasn't crispy and aromatic, isn't he? <laughs> he fucking is, isn't he? we got a goat next. <laughs> Canadian soldiers defied protocol, smuggled their mascot out of Saskatchewan during World War One, and into France, Sergeant Bill saw combat, getting shell-shot trench foot and suffering shrapnel wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Goat with shell shock. They just like 
Shivering all the time for a bit, and then they gave him some Trick fucking brandy. Jimmy. Is he one of them fainting goats? <laughs> he could be. Maybe he was having a fucking show when Tuffy fainted. Yeah. <laughs> the goat with military rank, ones went missing, and another time the goat got itself arrested for chewing on military equipment. <laughs> but. Got arrested. <laughs> That's pathetic, innit? Hey, he's got rank. He's a member. Sergeant. Sergeant? He can be taking orders on that fucker. He can be giving <laughs> And in this case, he does give orders because he bravely says three lies by headbutting three dudes into a trench before a shell explodes. Oh, wow. Wow. So there's his orders. Get out the fucking way. That's brilliant. I want... Oh, oh. Why, why are they all... It's such a shame, like, that you couldn't, like, meet these goats or bears and have a wrestle with them like and they sound like absolute <laughs> they sound like legends you know what I mean I know but you're pissed off if you were a corporal in the army and you <laughs> goats promoted above you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sorry the, uh, sorry corporal marching you decided to give the promotion to Sergeant you got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> see if, if we had a video cast now I'd show you my goat impression I don't want to see your goat so impression no point <laughs> uh, my, my goat impression would actually kill you I think <laughs> I think it would wouldn't it you've seen my goat impression yeah. of the year we get... could order him to milk him couldn't he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think just like he strolled into your tent and wiped his cock across your face so he'd sleep? And that's his order to milk. Is <laughs> that what you suggested? <laughs> that's it, 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 it was a, a girl or a boy goat, didn't it? It does droop. I assumed it was male. The fact that his name's Bill. Bill. All right, Could be Bill and Ina, but I doubt it. I, I forgot our bit. Next we have Jack. Edith Cavell was an English nurse who helped over 200 Allied soldiers escape German-occupied Belgium during the First World War. Cavell would sometimes take Jack, but on walks providing cover for the escaping soldiers as they travelled to meet their guides. She was caught, tried and convicted of treason, and was executed <laughs> by firing squad on the 12th of October 1915. What, the was? No, she was. I thought it was Okay, I thought Dick Jack was executed. No, Jack was rescued by Princess Mary de Croix after Caveau's execution and taken to the family's country estate in Belgium where he remained upon his death in 1923. His embalmed body was sent to the Norfolk branch of the Red Cross and Jack was on display at the Imperial War Museum in London until 2013. Safe by Princess. Score. Yeah. yeah, well then you just end up being a fucking trophy in the museum, didn't you? he's obviously lived his life hasn't he they haven't just set the princess saved him slipped his throat and <laughs> stuffed him yeah fair enough and a more recent one 2010 the trio the Labrador British Army October 15th 2008 and while acting as forward as forward protection for 8 platoon the Royal Irish Rifles trio located a daisy chain IED an improvised explosive device designed to trigger a series of bombs and the bombs were located on a roadside where soldiers were about to pass. If the, uh, if the soldiers had passed through, the army confirmed there would have been considerable casualties. Uh, without a doubt, Trio's actions and devotions to his duties while in the throes of conflict saved many lives. That would, if that had have gone off, that could have potentially been one of the worst IED attacks, that. Mm. Well, all, pretty much all 95% of casualties in, that, in the Afghanistan conflict was something like was IED. Mm. 
Do they just set them off or do they just... No, they just walk past them. They fucking... They just make really good little trip switches and things like that. They're really yeah, fucking really savvy. well hidden. Really, really good yeah. at it. Well, well, our, you know, our army, will they disable them or set them off? Oh, they'll disable Depends. them if they... It would be up to the officer at the front. It's usually yeah. an officer of the patrol who's a bomb expert. The, you never the Neo, the, an exo, the explosive expert. Hurt Locker, good film. Quite a sad film as well. It's about bomb disposal, bomb disposal isn't it? Yeah, in there's, there's an obscure like. British comedy on the BBC called Bluestone 4-2, which was written about was quite a squad of guys though. protecting an explosives officer. That was good, in that Afghanistan. Was. Yeah, he did a couple of seasons, yeah. didn't they? Shame. Because they went a bit mad at the end. It could, it could have, they got cancelled. Yeah, it could have been. It could have carried on if it wanted to, but yeah, they, yeah. It was good, though, that. It had a really hot, hot woman in it. It did. I can't remember who it was now, but she was really hot. Well, uh, <laughs> I always remember wishing, like, when I was back in in Nam and that, you know, I had a really hot, <laughs> a hot sergeant like that or something. But no, no, um, is that your fantasy? Yeah. Well, you could have had a pigeon. Could have had a pigeon called Princess Ooh. instead. Oh, I like like a bit of pigeon. Carrie, a pigeon who served in World War Two, sent on a special mission to Crete. She returned to her loft at RAF Alexandria in Egypt, having travelled around five hundred miles, mostly overseas. She was carrying vital information which she delivered safely in one of the five performances in the war record of the Pigeon Service. Nice. That's impressive. She ain't going to be able to fly with that round the neck though, is she? She's got a dirty big medal on. (laughs) She's Uh, she's wearing it proud. Oh yeah, she looks very proud. I doubt she'd be able to fly with it. Simon the Cat. True World War II hero smuggled aboard the frigate HMS Amethyst by 17-year-old seaman George Hickenbottom he quickly became a member of the crew. He was then tragically injured during the Yangtze incident, but nevertheless carried on his duties disposing of rats when the ship became overrun with them, as well as restoring the morale of the crew. Sadly, Simon passed away while quarantined back in the UK after contracting a viral infection as a result of his war wounds. Aww. Light and fluffy. Oh, he's a lovely cat as well. Black and white. A bit like Felix the cat. Mm. Bit like sticks. My my ex-wife's cat. Right, another pigeon. Yeah. Who saved 194 lives after being shot through the chest? What? Cher Ami was a messaging pigeon serving in the Argonne Forest with the 77th Infantry Battalion. When the battalion of 550 soldiers she was with was completely cut off by German forces. After four days of heavy fighting, friendly artillery decided. The battalion must have surrendered already and began firing on the 77th, which seems to be a silly thing to do. Since they just refused an offer to surrender and was very much still in the position, this was a problem. Because it usually is when your own artillery decides they're going to drop shells on your own position. Major Charles Whitley ordered a message sent back to headquarters, but the group's three pigeons were quickly shot down and the Germans used to have marks when they would shoot down pigeons. Oh, right. Along the, up with the up with the guys at the front because we don't want messages getting through. Exactly, do they'd have trained guys who would shoot the pigeons. Cherami, despite a hole in her chest and a nearly amputated leg, got back into the air and delivered her message. And 194 soldiers made her alive thanks to her actions. Wow, wow. Mm. Uh, it's wow in it. Yeah, fuck. Uh, just so that when you say. They're being forced 
against their will to do these jobs. In nearly all of these cases we've read so far, I like to believe, maybe other than the pig, I, yeah, like, to, didn't do I much. like to believe that most of these animals, we all know that animals in all different shapes and size have Instinct. some real, no, but not just that, some real affinity with people. Yes, you can make yeah. real bonds with animals, whether it's a cat, a fucking bird, an iguana. A goat. There's, a, there's all sorts of animals that you can make real connections with. You can domesticate with them, them with, in a way. Yeah. If you have them bird, especially. So, with thing, like, something like this kind of highlights what I'm trying to get to is that I think they're a bit more than. They know there's something in them that knows they've got to get this message across there. Because this fucking pigeon's been shot, lost a leg nearly, and it's fucking got up and got to its actual destination where it's got to go. It's like it knows it has to do it for the for the people it loves. Mm. Maybe. Well, I think more likely... it's going to be cared for, potentially, if it gets back. It's trained, isn't it? It's, it's, it's back his, to his instinct. Is his, I can still fly. But My natural instinct is to get the I fuck out of here. I don't know how they go home. Then you've got the duck. The duck? Yeah, the then duck's an got, odd one. Yeah. Then you've got... I mean, we've, I've seen it in a couple of articles, the duck refused medical treatment until, until the other all guys. the other guys yeah. were treated. How odd is that? And then it allowed it's them like to treat them. a reincarnated yeah. soldier, that duck. <laughs> you think it is? Yeah. <laughs> but the, you think, like, the bear, how yeah. well that was and what it did and the dog that... But they got treat. it as a cub with the bear, I guess... You can domesticate a bear if you give it if you play with it enough as a cub, but mm. my god, you still gotta be careful. No, it's a risky one. It's definitely, a risky one. Definitely but then again, it one. also relies on you for food. And if carrying bears are clever. If they get food for carrying an ammunition, he's gonna carry ammunition because he's gonna get food. Mm. It's just Pavlovian conditioning. Isn't oh, it? Is, but is it the, this on the genetic level? These animals have a trainability gene that obviously they respond better to the old reward and praise and for carrying out a task. Mm. I don't know because it takes generations, doesn't it? Even cats are semi-domesticated. Yeah, but we throw up these 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 are mutations possibly in that. You know, I'm just looking at it from another level. I just like. I got deep then into the science, didn't I? I just like to think. Hey, got it in me sometimes. I just like to think there's maybe more to the animals than we think. That most of us think there there is that little bit more to them, and they they have some kind of concept of what is actually going on, and they do pick a side in a way. Look at the German Shepherd. It's the guys that feed him and the guys that they're packing it. This is yeah. Well, that's I what I mean. So <laughs> you, know, you don't get a dog that one day he's like an American, like a cat going with the Americans. They go to say, you know what a cat would though, wouldn't it? A cat would cross the lines. <laughs> that's why they're at the front line. Everyone's a cat mascot because the cat would be constantly going up the Germans, getting fed by them, coming back to the Americans, getting fed by them. You're playing both sides all the time. <laughs> you wouldn't know whether to trust it. You'd go into the German positions, and the cat would be there wearing an SS like uniform. <laughs> they put on him when he goes. <laughs> like, oh my god! Men's! Cats <laughs> might be good spies, though, as well. If you get a, a robot cat at that point, yeah, mm. you've got to, you can't just stick a big camera on the back of the cats. So there's one or two. Oh, 
So My mouse is up for the cat's back. So now we've gone to robot cats, okay. Yeah. Moving on. He's just got a fat back. <laughs> He's covering this giant camera with fur. Looks <laughs> like one of the, like a Spinosaurus, this cat. Well, obviously it'd be wearing a little mini helmet, wouldn't it? Oh, right, it's a helmet and on it. It's a helmet, 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 helmet cam. It's 1944, Claire. We haven't got this luxury. <laughs> oh, let's go back to a dog. Sergeant Stubby. Let's have a look at pictures of Sergeant Stubby. Look at him there. Oh, he looks so He's a little mastiff, isn't he? Mastiff breed. Yeah, some kind of bull terrier of some sort, isn't it? In 1917, Stubby joined a group of American soldiers training for the trenches of World War One. He deployed the men overseas and proved himself in battle multiple times, waking soldiers as he sensed incoming artillery strikes and infantry assaults that human sentries hadn't yet detected. Mm. Makes That's sense. the thing, he'd hear it. Yeah. Yeah. He'd hear it way before yep. us. His most heroic moment came when he found and seized a German spy moving near the American position. He bit into the German's pants, his trousers, his ass and raised a ruckus, holding the spy in place until the infantryman could relieve him of his prisoner. (laughs) I bet he was relieved when they fucking released his jaws from his ass. (laughs) Because when they bite you, they don't fucking let go. They do not. Any kind of bulldog, that's it, isn't it? No, a Rottweiler can actually break your arm with its bite. (laughs) Much like my swan's neck. Locked jaw is a myth. There's no such thing as locked jaws. When people say, oh, pit bulls, they got locked jaw. They fucking haven't. They've just got an extremely fucking strong bite and you cannot release it unless you stick your finger up its arse. (laughs) That's the only way, isn't it? Honestly, that is the fucking way. Or, or if you can grab their knackers, if they've got knackers, mm. you fucking grab their knackers and squeeze. It will let go. Can I ask Steve who wins? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking animal molester. He's a bit grumpy. He's, he's, a, he's a grumpy one, this. That's all right. I'll just jump off his ass. You're not coming within fucking 10 feet of Maximus. <laughs> Does anyone else think he looks a bit like uh, Sherlock Holmes in this picture? <laughs> Sergeant Stubby. Is wearing a little <laughs> little gas cape. He's got a little hat. A I think he's got a little gun put in his cape. He's yeah. got some kind of something in there. He's got. He looks proud as fuck in that picture. He has. He has he got, got a got gun. Yeah. He has got a little. He's, he's got, got a gun. Rifle put in with his. Obviously, uh, he's not using the rifle. It's just. Just in there for show, but he's got, little, he's got a little uniform, he's got a little One kit. of the soldiers has given him his gun, that's so funny. And despite being caught in multiple gas attacks, right, Sergeant Stubby survived the war, and the Supreme Commander of American Forces in World War One, General John Pershing, John Blackjack Pershing, personally awarded him a gold medal in 1921 for his efforts. Nice. Hmm. Wow, quality. I wonder where he ended up. Living out his days in retirement, I guess. Another horse. Yeah. Sergeant Reckless. Another good name for a war horse. Exactly. Sergeant Reckless. Sergeant Reckless. Marine and anti-rifle platoon during the Korean War. She served in a few battles of ammo carry and evacuated wounded troops when necessary. In the Battle of Vegas in early 1953, Reckless carried rounds for three days straight. The Battle of Vegas? 
It would have been like Cal- Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the Korean War. You would give positions you would uh, know, so you call like you might have. I was going to say one hill might be New York, one hill might be Vegas. You know, you, you give it names you would know, so it's more easily identifiable. It's better than calling it Bravo Delta Charlie. Sometimes you'll do height, so I'll be Hill Four Three One because that's how tall it is. But you always end up giving shit nicknames. I just think the battle. It was a war against the gamblers and the smackheads. <laughs> yeah. And they won. <laughs> yeah. What, the Las Vegas War. Yeah, yeah. I always assume battles were named after where they were taken. Battle of Waterloo. Battle of. Yeah, it's a Battle of Hill Vegas, and it's Vegas, isn't it? Oh, Hill Vegas. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it's just Vegas. Vegas. I mean, I was, I'm not up with the Korean War. I don't know. One of the few Korea's definitely not in Las Vegas in America. No, so. but I'd imagine it's that similar thing that as soon as it's a co- it's a, a name a game given to that region mm. to make Vegas it more region. easily familiar. Rather than pronouncing Korean names, you call it something simple like you'd know. Mm. Vegas is probably a region that's there. It might Just be. I don't Las know. Vegas I'm guessing. Called... I'm assuming because yeah. that's what we did in Iraq. Las Vegas isn't exactly an American English name. No, but that's it? what we, that's what we do in Iraq. You're pronouncing Arabic names. You give the towns names that were familiar to you. So, on British Army maps, you'd have like three Iraqi towns called Preston, Blackburn, Burnley, because that's the names that are familiar to you. It's easy to recognise them rather than trying. Oh, what's Al Qadar versus Al Zabar? Yeah, well, in the pressure, that gets confusing. Give them simple names that you do. I go to Blackpool. Come to Burnley. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, but there's names are easier for you to pronounce over the radio too. Wouldn't Burnley be just a part of shit? Yeah, it would be. That's what you call the worst village. <laughs> I found an IED in Telford. Just let, let it go. Let it off. <laughs> so Sergeant Reckless moved 386 rounds and travelled 35 miles despite suffering two wounds on the fiercest day of fighting. The first injury occurred when a piece of shrapnel stuck, struck her above her eye, oh. and the second was a cut to her flank, but she survived, so she carried on serving. Mm-hmm. Oh. I wouldn't have got on her. I love horses. Sergeant Reckless, I wouldn't have got on her. Horses are amazing creatures, really, aren't they? In lots of ways. Oh, yeah. They've always been like. There's like humans and dogs, and then cats, and after that, it's horses, isn't it, surely? In terms of animals that you'd make that bond with. I'd say they certainly have a bond with people, don't they? Like they The animals have very... been with us for ages, because we've always used horses for riding, haven't we? Mm. You know, it's like... It's instinctive They've now. been with us, and it's, it's between... Well, let's face it, I mean, we haven't mentioned the elephants, we haven't mentioned Hannibal's elephants. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, those guys were pretty heroic, going across the Alps. In all yeah. fairness. Fighting yeah. a war in Northern Italy. Mm. They're a good fucking war creature, aren't they? Because what takes down an elephant? Not fucking much, really. Yeah, Especially well, back in the day. Well, when you've got a, like a bunch, eight of them charging at your infantry position, well, your infantry formation is not going to hold when it's hit by eight elephants running at you, is it? No. Swords, whatever, it's not going to fucking pigs. help. Flaming pigs have been used by the Romans as well. Grease up a load of pigs, set, set them on fire. fire run they'll the run towards the enemy, breaks their position. Dogs were used by the Saxons to break shield walls. Alive. Yeah, yeah. Lion fluffy Claire. How do they know they're going to run <laughs> or push them out that way? Set them on They'll fire. run away from the flames. You have them in little cases, and they would have covered in, in flammables. And you put the torch in and the pig, and you know, you'd let the thing up. The pigs immediately going to run away from the fire, which is on its back. So it's going to run away from it. 
It freaked the elephants out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sick bastards. Oh, no. I suppose you got you got red, ready ready fucking made hog roast at the end of the battle though, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, I can smell that cooking. <laughs> you can do it on a, an old classic computer game called Medieval to, Medieval Total War Rome, where you you conquered oh, the. Do you know what? It was command and conquered and civilization mixed I, together. I, I've got it on my PC. Yeah, still. It's, it's classic. Where you can get grease pigs on that. You set them on fire for the battle <laughs> and launch them the enemy formation. Great defensive technique because it breaks up an enemy infantry. I may well have used them in the past. Yeah, because I buy I rinsed that um, game in the in, back in the day when it came out. Yeah, that's what I thought. Almost like Angry Birds kind of thing, yeah, like yeah, flaming set, pigs go catapult. Set the, set the place on fire, like. <laughs> no, because you're giving them cooked meat then. <laughs> In that no. case, you just use flaming materials, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. No, what you're doing. No, you send the seven heads of their friends and family over yeah. the wall, don't you? Come on, that's what you do. Flaming bags of poop. And flaming bags of poop. I'd put that. <laughs> <laughs> that would well, fucking nasty napalm, that, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, yeah. You wouldn't want that. Uh, should we go to Vietnam? No, thanks. No, I suppose nowadays it's not too bad. Oh, right. I, I, okay. In the water. Like no. nice beaches? Yeah, loads. It's beautiful in Vietnam. One of my mates went there not, not long ago. Nice. Some of the pictures and videos he, he had on there. He spent a month there. I've seen a pocket there. I know you can Charlie don't surf. One of our old mates went there, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, he got offered a chance to blow up a cow with an RPG for $20. What? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, he didn't, no. Oh. He said he didn't. He shot the AK and all that and all the all the war gear and they said, do you want to shoot that cow with an RPG for like $20? And he was like, nah, you're okay. Yeah, it'd be hard to shoot a cow, wouldn't it? It would. Oh. If it was a carcass or something, yeah, fair enough. An old fucking car or something, yeah, brilliant. You rip the you rip mm. their arm off, wouldn't you, for twenty dollars? Yeah, <laughs> blow up that old old wreck of a car. Yes, please. Here's twenty bucks. Have you got any more cars? I have got, got plenty more money. Yeah. <laughs> Cow for twenty dollars. Is that it? Yeah. I suppose they'd have some. They'd get some meat out of it. Everything's dirt worth cheap. A lot. They wouldn't be yeah. fuck all. Everything's dirt yeah. cheap. I mean, like. You saw the, the Top Gear Vietnam especially is eight million dong. Yeah, it buys them a thousand pound scooter. And there was yeah, twenty twenty dollars. Five dollars sucky sucky, whatever. I don't know they spent it. I wasn't there. Those <laughs> silk bloody suits that they bought. Yeah, they were like tailor made suits. Yeah, tailor made suits for like ten dollars or something like that. It's ridiculous. It's, it's just the dongs. There's millions of dong to a dollar. The dollar's king out there. Is even though they lost, even though America's lost. Cheap holiday destination then. Well, after the flight, when, you, when you're there, I guess. Yeah, it's probably quite cheap to be if you're not in a touristy spot. It's a beautiful country as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a stunning place. Anyway, well, back to back to the Nemo, Nemo. the dog. Airman Second Class Bob Thornburg and Nemo were patrolling a cemetery near their base in Vietnam on December fourth, nineteen sixty-six, when they were attacked by the Viet Cong. Nemo was shot in the eye while Thornburg took him round to the shoulder. Thornburg had been able to kill two of the good attackers, but not badass, but would have fallen to the rest if Nemo hadn't ignored his own injuries while to attack the remaining guerrillas while guarding his handler. Hmm. Nemo bought enough time for reinforcements to find and rescue the pair, and he was allowed to retire to a personal kennel after the firefight. Ah, quality. What was he? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. 
probably a German Shepherd, I imagine. They're most commonly used in, because then there's a lot of German Shepherds in Southeast Asia, weirdly. Mm. Got a popular dog breed. Mm. Also, a bloke who uh, used to go to Thailand a lot told me. Did he have a couple of younger wives? Yes, he did. As I said, did he marry a lady boy? <laughs> no, no, he, he liked he liked younger Taiwanese women. Mm. He was married to like a very attractive, like, late 20s-year-old. <laughs> yeah, she was like 30 at most, and he was like pushing 60. And then he was married to a even younger, probably like early 20s girl. Yeah. He'd come back and work for six months as a taxi driver, solid. And then go and live the life of a millionaire in Thailand for six months with his young wife. Nice. That was his life. But yeah. What about this Corporal Jackie? Corporal Jackie the baboon, the last a one Nazi we'll do. Nazi baboon. He's not a Nazi. <laughs> He's just got a really evil look about him. <laughs> <laughs> he is squinting his eyes a bit, isn't he? Is it a she? It's a she, isn't it? Well, He's when Albert name. Marr was drafted by the South African Army to fight in the First World War, he refused to leave his pet baboon, Jackie, behind. So he's part of the Empire troops of the First World War. Jackie went on to serve his country with distinction. He marched with the men, saluted superior officers and fought in the trenches. He was issued with a uniform, paybook, rations and was made official mascot of the Transvaal Regiment. Imagine fucking fighting in a trench with a baboon. <laughs> I'd fancy me chances a bit more, wouldn't you? I'd be well chuffed, definitely. Would you? Mate, they would literally rip your arms off. If they grabbed your arms, they would just rip your arms off. That's what I mean. They're f- yeah, if they're on oh, the I mean, side. I mean, sorry, I, hang on. Yeah, fighting with a baboon, as no, in side by side, not against, against a baboon. Fighting against yeah, I don't yeah. want to fight against yeah. a baboon. You're a German, you no, go into the opposing trench. And, and there's a fucking baboon screeching at you. He just yeah, jumps on you and rips yeah, your yeah, face yeah. off with a swipe of its claw. <laughs> no. Yeah, and then it fucking sticks its massive not. red protruding anus onto your face, and that's the last thing you see. <laughs> rubs it in like... Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I don't want that. No. Yeah, great. That's what I mean, yeah. You great don't ally. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He got wounded in the line of duty, sustaining a bullet to the shoulder and getting his right leg blown off. Oh, Lion puppy. Oh, <laughs> he was promoted from private to corporate after the war and retired with a full military pension. Fucking wow. hell. Full pension, never. He looked after the animals better than the soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> they gave the soldiers pensions too, Mike. Did they? Yes. <laughs> 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 Did yes. they? They're just not just the animals. <laughs> It'll be cheaper if we give that pigeon a few quid a week. They put the soldiers down. <laughs> the pigeons, the animals. Yeah, that baboon went on to be a field marshal. <laughs> <laughs> Retired on 40 grand a year. <laughs> Imagine that dog going, right, I've been drafted for the First World War, and you turn up at the recruiting station with your fucking pet baboon, and you're like, I just think that is son. She pet my boot, I'm not leaving him. <laughs> what do you mean you're not leaving him? Look, I'm not fucking leaving him, he's, he's coming with us. Oh, don't worry, he'll rip so some Nazi so you get arms a fucking off. unit of the First World War. He'll rip some German, German arms off. Yeah, was, German arms, you know, that every soldier was a Nazi. No. I imagine it was less and less towards the end of the war. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, these, these Kaiser men, there you go. <laughs> I think a field marshal baboon would have done better than the generals in the war. <laughs> I don't think he would somehow. 
I mean, I know the generalship wasn't fantastic, but I don't think the baboon would have done better. You know, you just smashed the map table up. Right, massive artillery strike, okay. <laughs> he wouldn't have done any worse than melted. That's true. <laughs> the Germans have learned of our top secret plan. We walk slowly into the machine gun fire and hope it goes better than last time. <laughs> that was the plan. Oh. Crazy war. Well, Jackie survived. I read an interesting statistic about the First World War, actually. One fucked up fact towards the end. Four out of every nine British servicemen on the Western Front in France were killed. Four out of every nine. Cool. Mad, isn't it? And some of the Dominion countries, South Africa, Canada, had even higher rates. New Zealand was something like six in ten. I know the Aussies took heavy casualties, didn't they? Uh, yeah, maybe, well, the Australians and the New Zealanders. I'd say wasn't maybe yeah. that they, the would been, they would have been one yeah. force, wouldn't they? Yeah, the, much, the so. Anzacs, mm. Australian, New Zealand, yeah, yeah. So I, me- I remember hearing about that. They used that. to have sweet hats with a, like a cowboy hat. Yeah, they were all the really cool. film called Gallipoli. Yeah, Mel Gibson slags us off again. He loves fucking doing that, doesn't he, Mel Gibson? <laughs> the Brits are the bad guys every time. They're <laughs> all the bad guys, are we? Oh, we're here for a long time, the, yeah. Are we the baddest? <laughs> yeah. We're the ones that think we're good. Are we actually? But then the Nazis came along and trumped everybody. Ah, we weren't that And bad. then we stamped them out. <laughs> we weren't that bad. <laughs> yeah, we were. I don't know. We invented concentration camps. Yeah, but I mean, the, I mean, that was shit, wasn't the it? The old Crusades and that, you know. They, they that wasn't just you. us. We starved millions and millions of Indians. Mm. And yeah, the natives, the clone, the, all, all the colonials. Still, not a, not a time for this debate. <laughs> not a time for this debate. Remembering the animals. That We're gave talking about war hero animals. Yeah, we, so, do an, we should do an episode. Are we the baddies? Shouldn't we? Yeah, but this would be quite depressing, wouldn't it? Well, we're allied with the great Satan. <laughs> all right, Mike, you Iranian nationalist. <laughs> That's what America was like. Really. Oh my god, that's the Ayatollah amongst them all. We all thought it was Travis Buckle. Is that the Ayatollah? Travis Bickle. Travis Bickle. Buckle. <laughs> 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 Travis Bickle is actually the Ayatollah. <laughs> no, but that's what the US are known as, aren't they? Around the world, the Great Satan. Does that mean with the little Satan? Yeah, must be. Oh well. More animals are great, though, aren't they? Yeah. My favourite was Sergeant Stubby. The duck, for me. The also, duck is pretty badass. Also what he calls his penis. <laughs> <laughs> My penis is one's there we've established this. <laughs> yeah, I like the duck, the reincarnated duck. Yeah, the duck's on top. Top of my list. Just the way it like went and kicked ass, kicked that fucking Japanese. Oh no, why the Japanese had a rooster. <laughs> Isn't it weird that they just happen to have a rooster as a mascot and the Americans just happen to have a duck mascots. as a mascot? Oh, it's a sign of luck and things it, like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of morale boost, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, you can see, stroking an animal is comforting, isn't it? Stroking a cat, stroking a dog. And if you've got a bear in your regiment, yeah, that's a pretty bear, cool, isn't it? Or a baboon. Yeah. A bear or a male baboon. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. Yeah. I'd rather have a wolf, though. That would be cool. It would. The wolf would look cute in a little army uniform. Pack of wolves. <laughs> I don't think you can summon a pack of wolves. You know, a wolf man. So what the wolf would summon them? The wolf would just he's howling under attack, and you're a wolf howler, and these army of wolves yeah. come. 
That's exactly how it works. Envelop the German. I'm assuming we're German. Find Germans here. I'm assuming we're on the yeah. Eastern Front. Yeah, I'm riding the lead wolf. To battle. Where'd you get the saddle? Where's your bear back here? Careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's for after the battle. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a pub show. I'm a pub show. Thanks for listening. I'm in Ben. Don't do the flavour aid, don't do the cult, normal service. <laughs> not, not, not in fluffy next week, probably. <laughs> I mean, Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out, may the force be with you. I've been Claire, keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. And I've been Pete, take it easy, enjoy your week. Bye. Bye.